You're listening to Well I Left, Part 2 of Illegal Drinking, The Stonewall Inn. Here's the thing. Sometimes, actually for like years, this good friend of mine, Danny, he would be places and I would notice it on like Snap Maps. Mm -hmm. And I'd be like, I'm a bad friend. I forget about this trip that surely he told me about and I forgot. And then eventually I was like, I'm not the problem. (laughs) He's not telling anyone. I'm not being told. Um, and you know what? That is because we are queer friends and we can just kind of disappear. And I know when he's on Snap Maps, he's just off to go meet someone on Grinder who just lives three states away. That's probably a lie. Probably a lie. <laughs> we don't know for sure. We don't know for sure. But I did need to work gay into the conversation because that is what tonight's story <gasps> is about. A sagu. A sagu. A sagu. I don't like the French that much, so I'm not going to keep saying that. Um, <laughs> but before we get into any of this. Uh, Hello. Hi, that's Maya Warner. That's Grant Thomas. It is. It's weird for you to say my full name. I'll stop saying your full name. Yeah, you started. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to tell you a story. A little story time Grant's action for you. Grant's going to tell you a story. Yes, Maya's going to have thoughts on my story. Maybe. Hopefully. I don't have a lot of thoughts. This is a story that uh, we've heard before. This is the second in a two-part series we're calling re-recording because we didn't know what we were doing. But here's the fun thing. That first night when we recorded the first two episodes, Maya showed up with four pages of notes. And I showed up with like six anecdotes in my brain. And so while we just revisited Maya's notes, I, for the first time... (laughs) typed mine up (laughs) so if you've just come from listening to episode one you know that i was reading those notes for the first time in months grant fresh fresh so uh the stuff i'm about to tell maya some of it didn't make it into the first podcast love that and we love it i don't even remember how i started that first one so let's start this something about speed actually i do remember (laughs) You were the only person in my entire life who has a scale. So whenever I get three drinks in, I'm like, yeah, how much do I weigh right now? <laughs> Trending in the right direction because hey! Pride is a month away. Listen. Are we doing the Pride 5K? I keep meaning to ask Yes, you we are. Okay. Um, someone, up? no, we need to create a group name. Last year, this was fun. Um, we were the Bear Naked Ladies, like B-E-A-R. Those who know, know. Those who know, get it. <laughs> <laughs> Last year, Grant told me he was going to run the 5K. And I looked at him like, you're going to run the 5K? I run 5Ks. And then he did that and got really defensive. <laughs> and then <laughs> day came where we were going to run the 5K. I had a bum knee, so I literally could not even if I wanted to. And then Bag of rocks, as she described it. Was it was a bag. I had tore my meniscus, for those who know, no. And Grant said, okay, well, for you, we'll walk. <laughs> Meanwhile, our friend Tani is busy getting fourth in this 2,000-person race. And the rest of us, honestly, just gossip. We you know, have a little kiki moment. <laughs> Several of us were on many mimosas when we decided to walk it. It's a great time. It Support great your time. local pride organization. It was good. Um, speaking of supporting your pride organizations, What's in right? the 1960s, you couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> what? Imagine Florida today, but it's the 1960s and you live in New York. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, being gay is illegal for a lot of this Be story. Be gay, do crime, except it's the same. Be gay, do crime. Get out of Florida. <laughs> Definitely that. Especially now. Listen, you're living under fascism and that's not your fault, but save yourself. Save yourself. Save yourself. Colorado's beautiful like a lot of the time. And Grant wants friends. 
I also kind of miss maybe like another date. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like date curious again. I'm on a healing arc. <laughs> so the 1960s, it was illegal to be gay. Okay. And we're in New York and that's uh, where this story is going to begin. So as always, gay people flocked to where there were other people because statistically there would then be other gay people. So even during an era where being LGBT is illegal, queer people are finding themselves in cities Mm -hmm. because odds are someone's going to be there. Also, you know, getting kicked out of your hometown, one-way bus ticket to New York or San Francisco. (laughs) Hi, I love this movie. I heard that there was like a thing for lesbian women around this time where they would ask people if they were like a friend of... I don't remember the name. I love this because I know exactly what you're talking about. And she's wrong a little bit. So the phrase that she's trying to ask is, are you a friend of Dorothy? Yes, that's right. true. And it wasn't for lesbians. It was for gay men because oh, Dorothy oh, was paid by um, Judy Garland. And mm. if you know who Judy Garland was, oh. you are or were a homosexual. <laughs> and so you'd go, I'm sorry. I. This is so funny. I think we might have met before. Are you a friend of Dorothy's? Oh. And if they were hip with it, they'd be like, I think we were actually at the same party like a week or two ago. And then boom, you're in. And if not, they'd be like, no, I'm sorry. I don't really know a Dorothy. They'd be like, I'm sorry. You just must have one of those faces. And then they'd leave. Because again, it's illegal to be gay in the story. Here's the thing. I have these two friends that I've been hanging out with more recently, um, Lee and Zach, and they do bits together. And it's fine if it's just- Is this a gay couple? No. They're straight. They're like, I, Lee's by, I think, actually. But- um. <laughs> It's fine to be with one of them when one of them is doing the bit because you can mm. kind of tell that it's a bit. Sure. When they're both together and they back each other up, game over. So they gaslight you is Every what you're Every time. Me. And it's fun. Like, it's not like mean gaslighting. It's like they'll prank you into believing something and be like, nah. <laughs> For a second, I was like, how the fuck does that relate to this story? Okay, here's the thing. Gaslighting. Yeah. yeah gotcha. We okay. were at um, dinner together last week at Park Burger and we had this waitress that was very cute. And so... She was, she definitely was, I don't know if she was into them or just like friendly or whatever, but um, like the three of them really like had a good rapport going. We're having conversations and it was very cute. And at one point, one of Zach's friends, we were near his house. One of Zach's friends walks by and his name is Sam. And so we had a conversation with Sam and our waitress AC comes back and Zach just goes, oh, we just saw Sam. Like no context. She doesn't know who Sam is. We don't think. And she's like, oh, cool. And he's. And we're like, yeah, you know, Sam, <laughs> all of us at the table are now in on it. Sure. And she I love that moment, too, where you're all like, hey, let's fucking lie to this person. With no verbal cues. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, that's the drug. <laughs> but we all were like, yeah, you know, Sam, right? Like, Sam, you know, Sam. And no, Sam was at that party. She yeah, sat next to Lottie. Exactly. Yeah. And AC... This is the first time we've ever met this woman. She just goes, oh, Sam Shear? And we all have this moment. We're like, we got her. <laughs> and we're like, yes, Sam Shear. Call me Michael Malloy because I'm feeling betrayed by my best friends right now. It was so funny because she's like, how do you know Sam? And we were like, I don't remember what they said, but I had lost it by this point because I was like, what for me i always kind of go dark in those moments i always go when i lost my mother <laughs> sam and she was everything she was there to pick up that my mother's alive <laughs> <laughs> 
I think Zach had gone with like we work with Sam or something like that. And like we got her going for like a solid 10 minutes before they broke and we're like, nah, we're just messing with you. It's a different like it's not Sam Shear, but it, it like a different Sam came Beautiful. by. And that reminds me of that, because what if someone's like, are you a friend of Dorothy? And they're like, oh, Dorothy Malloy. Did we go to a gay bar tonight and then ask patrons of this gay bar in 2023 in a not Florida state? Are you a friend of Dorothy's? Have there's a TikTok a, idea. There's a gay bar in this neighborhood called Gladys the Nosy Neighbor, and I love that. Really? Yes. Like here? not this neighborhood. I meant Santa Fe, but yes, it's like it's like Santa Fe Boulevard, not this city. Like it's in, <laughs> okay. it's in this one. Okay. It's like what the hell? Listen, I don't know how much we're trying to now say on this podcast, I don't know. but it's a great drag queen bar, and it's right across a place from a place called Trade, and it's um, exactly the kind of dichotomy that you imagine it to be. I love that. That's amazing. None of this was allowed in the 1960s. <laughs> So, um, gay rights, especially in the 1960s, is a, like, local issue. Mm -hmm. Local queer people are accumulating social capital enough and then trying to change the municipal codes of the places they live in. So, in New York City, it's illegal to even serve alcohol to gay people. Like, How do you know? What's the test? If they're making out with another gay person is usually, that's how I always okay. tell, but I'm old fashioned. So like, they, like, I don't know. The basically not serving alcohol to gay people meant like no gay bars were allowed at okay. all whatsoever. Okay. And so in 1966, local New York activists managed to like kind of overturn that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still very much illegal to be doing anything that's actually gay so you can serve gay people alcohol now but gay people can't kiss or touch or dance even if it's in like a semi-private space like a bar for example Mm -hmm. it's illegal and so this is the legal framework that you're finding at this time and that's where we're starting our story even in places like new york or la it's very it's like illegal and it's kind of dangerous but it's just what it is in L.A., for example, there's a story out of 1967 into 1968, a bunch of plainclothed police officers enter a gay bar before New Year's. And then when the clock strikes midnight and the like traditional New Year's kiss happens, they arrest everyone because oh, they've now engaged in gay activity. That's ridiculous. It is. And so it's this insane environment where there's nowhere safe even in like the seediest corners. So in New York, they managed to find a solution. Tough Tony Bastone wasn't there? Actually, yeah, a little bit. (laughs) Fat Tony is going to be a huge character in the story. Why? Because when in doubt, turn to the mafia Mm. to help you out. I saw a comedy sketch recently of a guy that was like, I wish the mafia ran abortion clinics. (laughs) I was like, what kind of business is this? None of your business. Exactly. None of your business. <laughs> that is low-key exactly how they ran these. Okay. I love that. So it's 1966, 1967 in New York City. The mafia is in control of many of the city's gay bars because mm-hmm. the mafia is already kind of not averse to illegal activity. Breaking the law. Correct. Uh, queers, as we do today, have disposable income. <gasps> they have already paid off the police. So something that's stopping other entrepreneurs from starting a gay bar <laughs> isn't as much of an issue to them. Right. So they open gay bars. Okay. And that is, and we're going to say this a couple times, these mafia people are not allies in like the <laughs> modern sense of the word, not even maybe in the 1960s <laughs> sense of the word. Okay. Cause 
Both the way they treat the patrons and the kind of establishments they open up are horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to turn a quick buck. Well, they 100% do. Okay, and that's when we meet Fat Tony, who's a Tony. mafia man from a Genovese crime family. I won't do that again, I promise. <laughs> um, from a Genovese crime family who's put in charge of like several gay bars in Greenwich Village in New York City. Mm-hmm. And he takes this place and over the course of like a month, essentially flips it and turns it into the Stonewall Inn. And it's a gay bar. It used to be, as I understood, a family style restaurant. <laughs> and this is the gay agenda. It has always been the gay agenda. It has never changed. We're taking item, over the traditional family. Old minutes, new minutes, item one, same thing. Okay. <laughs> Don't even need to read them out at the meetings. fat tony turns a family style struggling restaurant somehow makes it grosser (laughs) and then says let's get these queers in here to drink some of this absolute disgusting drink where was fat tony when uh the other tony where was fat tony when the murder trust tonys (laughs) were trying to murder someone as fat tony runs a semi-professional operation fat tony would have figured it out (laughs) is all i'm saying so they're still able to run these so they're able to run these bars the mafia is able to do it but one of the things they do to kind of skirt some of the laws at the time is they turn these bars and make them into private clubs in which you have to purchase membership and write your name down so in other words paying a cover at a gay bar (laughs) is a tale as old as time And this is, by the way, common practice. Charging cover at a gay bar made you like an unofficial member of this club and then allowed you to be in there. More on that later. That's the day agenda. uh, It is. It still is. And so you would write your name down. Oftentimes you'd put a fake name. You'd pay a cover. And then it was definitely not uncommon. Mm -hmm. If you dressed well enough at these gay bars for the mafia to then identify you as a person with money who didn't want other people to know that you're gay. And then they would just blackmail you they'd be like <laughs> welcome to our gay bar please continue to visit if you don't want anyone to know you'll give us more money but we have disposable income so that so plan yes, really it really did out. work so well it was a for them symbiotic relationship. correct <laughs> correct and i can't i can't emphasize enough how truly disgusting these bars were in the case in this case Using the analogy of the symbiotic relationship, who is the shark and who is the fish that is attached to the shark? That's a, it's the mafia in both situations. (laughs) The The mafia mafia is sucking off of the mafia bar that the mafia runs. (laughs) That's bad business. Like there is like the same cops you're paying off for all the other crimes are just throwing in, not raiding your gross gay bar. Meanwhile, you are committing real crimes inside this illegal bar that you're offering to a community that just wants to flirt, <laughs> just wants, just want to dance, just want to dance at the ballet, you know, just wants to, you know, just wants to live their lives. And to put this into perspective, Grant is dressed in all white <laughs> in case he decides to go to a gay bar after this. It's called the white party and they happen during the summer. And he hasn't decided yet. He's just ready. The gayest thing is I bought shoes for an event that I am still TBD on. That's all they want to do. And that's and that really is kind of like the gay legacy. Because despite the fact that they are getting blackmailed and 
were going to truly horrendously gross. I'll get into some of those details in a second. Like horrendously gross locations. And these places were still being raided by the cops. <laughs> they were like, well, what else are we going to do on a Friday night? You know? <laughs> we'll still go. Yeah, exactly. On a scale of one to the rats falling from the ceiling in Ratatouille. How gross are we talking? Legitimately 10, maybe <laughs> even worse than that. Okay. Some of these places didn't bother fixing toilets when they broke. Uh, they would just keep them there. An, a hepatitis outbreak in the summer of like 1966 was tied to a string of mafia owned gay bars because they would just take your used drinks and put them in a tub full of water. And then when they needed another cup, just reach into said tub and then serve you a drink. And so the bathrooms are filthy. You are risking hepatitis from it. It's a gross place to be. You might get blackmailed during it. You might get arrested by the cops. And yet, and I think this is kind of cool and I'd be all sappy, queer people endured and like found community in a space that like did not care if they lived or died. <laughs> But allowed them to be there. Good. I'm glad that was the laugh line that it was meant to be, Maya. <laughs> okay. So how how truly <laughs> repulsive were some of these locations? Okay. I'm so ready. when a cops when the cops would raid the bars, one of the things they would do is they would take all the alcohol in the bar to be like, ha ha ha, showed you we're gonna shut this place down. So okay. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, just sure. say you want to have a party back at the precinct. Well, the mafia are kind of famously inventive. So they would just keep a car parked outside that had all of the booze. And so inside the gay bar, there'd be like two or three bottles. And then whenever it ran out, it was someone's job to go to the parked car outside, grab a bottle and then come back inside. And this story, especially the first half, has some like real tragedy to it. That's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> so there's just like a parked car. And of course, no one's touching it because it's a mafia car full of mafia alcohol. Uh, yeah. And so that's how like these raids didn't ever shut any of these businesses down because the alcohol, as cheap as it was, was oftentimes truly the only expense that these people yeah. ran. So the mafia is running a string of bars like this. Mm -hmm. um, basically, any gay bar in New York at the time is some kind of connection to, to the, mafia. the mafia. Yes. That is so funny. Well, it's extra funny because Fat Tony took a family establishment and managed to open up <laughs> the worst gay bar when that is the rubric. Like, I cannot emphasize enough to you that, like, you know, classism exists in every society of any age. That even in this underground, illegal world of mafia-owned gay bars, there's a hierarchy. <laughs> they're and like, let's go to the Stonewall. And they're like, you you gross. You're the Stonewall? When I was 16 and homeless, I went to the Stonewall. I'm 22 and employed at the New York Times now. That is like legitimately canon, by the way. Legitimately canon. <laughs> Oh, my God. The Stonewall, even in gay magazines, the Stonewall is called one of the sleaziest places in New York City. But, and don't tell Ron DeSantis this, <laughs> they allow drag queens to be there. And, and I don't get this. They also allow dancing. Like, I get allowing dancing. I don't get why nowhere else allowed dancing. So the Stonewall is the only place that allowed dancing? Mm-hmm. Or it was like maybe one of like the last two places you could dance. I don't know. Maybe Fat Tony was fine with a little cheek to cheek action. <laughs> Anyways, I'm not even talking about butts right now. He was but looking for the be. action. Hey. 
<laughs> um, and so, have you ever been like in a small town? Yeah. And been in that small town's bar. Oh, yeah. After like a certain hour. Yeah. When the clock strikes 1047 or whatever time it is. <laughs> and it's like the witching hour and like a Kenny Chesney song comes on and everyone just crawls out of their own flannel skin. <laughs> and suddenly you are transported while still seated into a brand new area. And you're like, oh, these people are down. If you weren't down, you needed to leave. You needed to wrap up dinner and leave because now it's downtime. That <laughs> yes. is how I understand the environment around Stonewall. Stonewall. People it, were there for dinner and a correct. good time and then they left right. well, and let the people in who were like... Yes, because a big part of this is so like drag queens, obviously there's like a long history of drag, but like a distinction between a drag queen and a person who's perhaps trans and is now just presenting in the way that feels natural to them. Mm -hmm. like they're not making those huge distinctions at yeah. the time. So it's kind of known as a place for people who are outside the gender binary, especially in the 1960s. It has the cheapest cover of all of these places. So those who spend the day panhandling on the street or working truly low income yeah. jobs. Why is that a laugh line for you? <laughs> like, I just heard panhandling and couldn't get the idea of panning for gold out of my head for some reason. And that's why that made me laugh. It wasn't it wasn't anything crazy. It was not ha homeless. <laughs> it, it was my it ADHD was brain that just California gold. Right? Yeah, took okay. it all the way. I hear you. I hear you. So it's it's a it's a home really okay. for people yeah. who even inside this community that is rejected by society oftentimes find themselves on the outside of that subculture, mm -hmm. much like it is still today, and that's super fucked up. At Ron DeSantis, yes, but also other white gay men. Like we need to be better. <laughs> so I think that's an important like ground to lay yeah. because it then helps explain why. When the police do decide to raid this bar and not give the mafia a heads up. So yeah. it's like a true on true raid. This is a group of people that have maybe less to lose than any other gay bar mm -hmm. and have the most reason to try to preserve this last corner of the universe. For Where they them. feel safe. Yeah. Yeah. They basically kind of decided to fuck with the wrong queens that night. <laughs> and they were that. absolutely going to throw a punch during it. And so the story of what actually happens during the Stonewall riots is well told. And there's other people who can tell a better version of that story than I can. I got a lot of my information from PBS, PBS America, PBS, PBS America, <laughs> and the History Channel. Only referring to PBS, PBS. <laughs> from now on. This has been made possible by local PBS members like you. <laughs> Donate to your local <laughs> We should do a membership drive. Anyways, anyways. So the, the, the story of the riot and how trans and non-binary people lead that fight. Sylvia Rivera being a very popular name to like kind of come out of that history. Who's that? Um, Sylvia Rivera, mm -hmm. famous trans activist who would then go on to help lead a lot of stuff during the HIV epidemic, oh, okay. would find herself homeless, living mm -hmm. on the corner. And then at the end of her life, working and living in a nonprofit that served the LGBT community that continued to find themselves homeless. And I think her death ended up with some dignity to it, which was yeah. awesome. Uh, never got the credit that she deserved in her own lifetime yeah. for what she did for the gay rights movement. Fair enough. In the last story that we told, we talked about how kind of really colorful newspaper editors got with their stories at the time. Really? 
So this one is entitled, this is from the morning after the Stonewall Inn. Mm -hmm. Homo nest raided. Queen bees are stinging mad. That's clever, and I can say that. It's tragedy, but also did not miss with that headline. Holy cow! <laughs> that made me, if I were, like, staunchly against mm -hmm. gay rights at that point, that headline alone made me, like... A little theatrical. Absolutely. I love that. So that night is really important to the gay rights movement, and we're going to come back to that. Okay, wait, because I have first, a little fun fact. Oh, Do you okay. know the where... <laughs> I just said the muffin man. Sorry. Go ahead. Do you know the muffin man? <laughs> There's under your lane. What were you going to say? <laughs> uh, do you know where the term drag came from? No. So I just watched a TikTok. Um, <laughs> she read an article. Well, she read article. part of an article. Yeah. <laughs> so there's, they don't actually know. There's two thoughts to it, yeah. right? The first and the most common is like when Shakespeare was alive and they put on those plays, women were still not allowed to like be right. in theater. So right, they right, would right. have... Men play the parts of the women, and in like the stage notes, they would put D-R-A-G above a character as a character description, and it stood for dressed as a girl. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, the other thought is that there was a guy, and I want to say it was in South America, I'm not 100% sure, but there was a, a man who was who was gay, and they, obviously being gay was illegal around the time that this was happening, but he right. was very rich, he would host these parties, and he would dress in drag. Um, as it's termed now, but he would wear these very elaborate dresses that would drag down oh, behind him. Fun. And so they would call he was in drag because this, these very long dramatic trains would drag behind him. All queer history is like the saddest story you've ever heard that is also the best dress. It's also so cool. <laughs> like, because like prohibition era, everyone can agree is very cool because now modern speakeasies, while they're not right. illegal, are still like, Ooh, it's a secret. Everyone like, loves knowing something that yeah. no one else does. Exactly. But right. that's how gay culture was yeah. back in the day because it was all these secret things. Like, are you a friend of Dorothy? Granted, I just turned 30. <laughs> but like when I was in college in 2011, 12, 13, 14, yeah. there was this gay bar in Lincoln, Nebraska known as The Q. Very subtle. Oh. It actually burned down in a fire. But that is the <laughs> oh separate story about the dangers of fog machines. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they took they were too dramatic. <laughs> yeah, well, they forgot to unplug it. <laughs> but um, the, the go to the queue was still at the time kind of like, oh, oh. yeah, 100% yeah. Grant, conservative culture, whatever. If you saw Grant's hairline at the time, you would understand. Honestly, that. you'd be like, you should shave your head. <laughs> your <laughs> Look body. where he's at now. <laughs> this head was made for wigs while we talk about drag. It's true. All right, so one more modern anecdote before okay. we get into some of the rather details. So I've talked a little bit about how... Um, the police would raid. And I talked about how covers were a thing mm -hmm. and how covers were your membership for these like exclusive clubs. And that kind of helped skirt some of the liquor laws at the time. Mm -hmm. So last summer I went to Europe, which was great. And it was my personality for a couple months. But one night we were in Rome. I don't know if I've told you this story. So when I say we were in Rome, I mean me, a couple of my friends, our friend who will not listen to this podcast, Tyler Pritchard being one of them. And we go to this gay bar in Rome and they still have the kind of legal system set up mm -hmm. where you have to like sign paperwork, essentially joining their club and pay 
like a membership fee or whatever. And then you go through a second room that was just all sound paneling, which I was not as concerned about at the time as maybe I should have been. <laughs> and then when you get through, you. Oh, I, you know, yes, I remember this part of this. Yes. Yeah. So then so. you go through and then the third room is like the actual bar. So when we were in the actual bar, there was some American service members on leave from their Air Force base and like the Balkans or yeah, whatever. Yeah. I don't know. That's. They're not fighting a war. <laughs> I'm not saying that what they're doing isn't important. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is it's not like they had seen untold spe- yeah. unspeakable evils and now they were trying to blow off some steam. Yeah. They were just... They were tourists like Tyler and I were. <laughs> and I, after a couple of drinks, decided to be really fun to kind of fuck with them a little bit. <laughs> and so I look at them and I go, yeah. And I like trust the bar owner to like, I don't know, like burn the books. Like if we get raided or something like that. And they kind of look at me and they they go, what? And I go, well, yeah, we had to like give our IDs. So the bar has like our real names. But like if we get raided, I don't think that'll be a huge deal. I think I trust them to protect our identities. And they go, and they go, what? And I go, my man, you're in a town where the Pope lives. (laughs) Did you think this was legal for us to do this? Why do you think you watched these three rooms to get here? And they were bugging, man. They were freaking out. And here's how wonderfully dumb some of my friends were. They bought it too. No! <laughs> Did Tyler buy it? I'm not gonna. I'm gonna keep other. I'm gonna keep names out of my mouth that are closer to my own own sphere of influence. But I had to like after a couple of minutes being like, "Yo, I'm absolutely fucking with you right now." Like, I can't believe you fell for it. Actually, kind of concerning because you fly like aircraft, but like. <laughs> Hundred percent. This is a lie. Do you think it's 2022 at the time? Yeah. Like, do you think the Rome police care? There's a bunch of queer and not queer people <laughs> here at this bar right now. No, not queer. <laughs> Self-proclaimed, but weird bar for you to stumble yeah, into. Weird bar. Weird bar for you to find yourself in. There's a Chase Lounge in the corner. I don't. I don't think you see that a lot of other places, you know? Before I tell, told that hilarious story about my time in Rome, everyone agrees. Um, <laughs> everyone who's heard it. I was talking about the night the Stonewall Inn mm-hmm. was raided. Yes. Um, and how the queer movement started there as people fought back. Mm-hmm. And that oftentimes these were people pushed to the edge of this already edgy subculture community. So that triggers kind of a movement around standing up for yourselves in at least the New York City queer scene. And it is in that month of June, Mm -hmm. later, a couple weeks later, a couple days later, that the first Pride Parade happens. It's kind of this empowering moment where they step out of the shadows Mm -hmm. and say drinking a gin and tonic (laughs) in a bar isn't a crime. And I could do it somewhere else if I brought a woman with me. And I'm not going to hide in the shadows anymore. That's true. And it's very true. It's also why we celebrate Pride in June. Really? It's specifically because, because of, this. of this event. Organizers of the first Pride Parade called it the first Pride Run because they were so terrified of other New Yorkers, the police. They got a permission like for the parade. They got like a permit. But basically ran the entire route because they were afraid that someone was going to attack them. Yes. Which is why now the Pride Parade is still this like radical symbol. So from there, of course, queer rights take steps forwards and take steps back. There's this movement in California to fire all gay teachers to like basically launch an investigation and fire all gay teachers. This sounds like something that's happening today. Yeah. 
it think should. about it for a second. Right. Are you on the side of 1960s conservatives and women like Anita Bryant? I will say, with the California referendum at least, it mm-hmm. helped launch the political career of a little-known city councilor at the time, Harvey Milk, who would become the first openly queer person elected in the United States. And like we said earlier, with all of these That was actually George Santos. (laughs) God, the toughest part is he's doing the job so well. Not like actually being in Congress, but... I could not write a better gay villain in Congress if I tried. And I think it's cool. We've had so many inspiring gay characters. Let's have one real dirtbag. Let's have a one real... What if we took all of this pizzazz and just absolutely used it for evil? What if we, I don't know, defrauded a charity for veterans' dogs, which is what he did. (laughs) We've had enough queer-coded Disney villains. It's time we had... A queer villain. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, Harvey Milk does get assassinated, by the way. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was what I was going to say next. Um, he is murdered by one of his fellow city council members because queer rights never seems to be able to have its moment in the sun that doesn't then immediately get followed with like a terrible act of mm-hmm. violence. Yeah. And so we can fast forward to today where... In a lot of the U.S., at least, being gay doesn't carry legal consequences yeah. anymore. And so one of the first things you kind of ask yourself at the end of the story is, well, what is the role of the gay bar anymore? Like, there's been a lot of discussion that dating apps and things like that have made queer-specific spaces less important. And there's only, like, what, like six lesbian bars in the entire United States or something? 23, but that was the exact question I was about to ask you. There are 23 lesbian bars yeah. left in the United States. There's, like, six gay bars in Denver alone. <laughs> but I don't know what that says about gay men's alcohol habits or I not. I think people have just kind of consolidated the word gay to mean every kind yeah. of, like, gender non-conforming sexuality. There's certainly plenty of yeah. lesbians at some of these yeah. gay bars. Mm-hmm. But, like, a lesbian-specific one, yeah. Yeah. So lesbian bars are harder to find in the U.S. today. I mean, these are places that started the gay rights, civil rights movement that were important organizing spaces during the 1980s AIDS epidemic. Mm-hmm. It was oftentimes a place people would raise money for gay political campaigns in the 90s and early 2000s. And I think what you are seeing is maybe a movement back to those places as we again find ourselves under attack and again find ourselves needing community. So then this is also where I'm going to put kind of like a small little plug. Mm -hmm. Just because a place puts a rainbow flag outside of its door does not mean it's LGBT supportive. Are you going to talk about the bakery? That's exactly what I'm going to talk about. Oh, you saw it on my Instagram story. (laughs) Yes, you did. I was like, how did you know? That's like, this is, this is the big reveal. Just because there's queer flags outside of establishment does not mean they're gay friendly. I want to remind you that the mafia ran the first gay bars. Yeah. So not supportive individuals running gay bars or gay friendly establishments is as old as these establishments themselves. Because it was really hard at first for queer people to get the kind of capital to open these places. And then once we became socially acceptable, we became a community that can be marketed to. 
It's also important to note that the the rainbow flag is not just the pride flag. And I learned this the hard way mm. when I was in France with our friend Tyler, who will never listen to this podcast. <laughs> um, because We love a reoccurring motif. <laughs> because I kept, we kept like... Uh, walking down the streets and I would see these rainbow flags in these like establishments and I'd be like oh that's so cute that's like a gay gay bar or whatever and it took like five or six times of me saying this to him for him to be like well no actually in Europe the rainbow flag is more of like a sign of peace and it was because they had them up for the Ukraine war but like that can be used against people in the United States. 100%. Watch out for rainbow washing Mm -hmm. Um, and it's so hard to be an ethical consumer I hear that. It's tough to research every individual place that you shop at, things like that. A little personally learned life advice is that if there's a politician or person in your state whose actions are causing institutional harm to a community you care about, I would encourage you to look up what businesses they own and where they get their money from. It takes money to run for public office. That money oftentimes comes from private businesses that they owned. And if you are a friend listening in the Lincoln, Nebraska area, do not shop at Rabbit Hole Bakery. This person is a state senator. He's a young person representing parts of Lincoln who voted to ban gender affirming care for trans youth. That is fully unacceptable in my own world. And he does not now deserve a penny of my support. And it does not matter to me that he has managed to clip up a couple of pride flags in his window. I do not care where you land socially if you have the ability to harm us institutionally. If you're looking for recommendations in Nebraska to replace the bigoted bakery that I will no longer be supporting, would strongly encourage you to check out Goldenrod Bakery in the uh, College View neighborhood. They sent baked goods to the Democratic senators that were working hard to prevent that. They deserve your support because it's a beautiful, wonderful bakery that has gluten-free options (laughs) in Lincoln, Nebraska, and is perhaps most importantly, not funding the lifestyle of a person that has proven with their actions that they do not care about our health and our safety. I'm not gonna support a mafia-owned bar. I'm not gonna, oh, I'm not gonna support a bigoted-owned bakery. That's my little soapbox. If nothing ever else comes from this podcast, I'm proud that I said, Rabbit Hole Bakery, your days are numbered. (laughs) <laughs> We're coming for you. Or at least your Google review. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's the story of illegal drinking, queers, hepatitis, um, car liquor, and the story of how illegal drinking is a big reason why this civil rights movement for the LGBT community started when and where it did. <laughs> it's so interesting to me that like the idea of like the gay bars and the speakeasies are so intertwined, but they happened at such different times because I know we've recorded this episode before and we're re-recording it if you haven't caught on yet. But in my head, similar to how Grant remembered none of the story that I told, in my head, the story that he told was of the 1920s in the no. Prohibition area. It was not. Nope. Yeah. 40 years later. Yeah, but it's a similar vibe, right? right? Where you're trying to avoid the cops, trying to avoid all of this stuff. And it's like, crazy that that shit is still happening what i think is crazy too the common 
thread that both of our stories share is that they feature individuals that are really just trying to get through their day. Yeah. Trying to like live their life with dignity, whose like actions almost never harm Mm -hmm. someone else and who become victims of larger, more powerful groups and institutions around them that then victimize them. Yeah. That like the real crime was never the drinking. (laughs) It was the life insurance fraud and the bigoted actions along the way. Listen, I'm not your moral guru, okay? I turned 30 and I learned two things in my first half of life. Hell doesn't exist and neither do government deficits, okay? Those are the only two things that I know for a fact. I know you said hell doesn't exist, but I thought you said hail. (laughs) I was like, hail absolutely exists. Snow and I refuse to be told Otherwise, I think the fun thing about us is our ability to laugh immediately after one of us says an intensely sad comment. Absolutely morally horrendous (laughs) comment. And here we are. And here we are. Proving that despite the story, well, I laughed. We laughed. Um, (laughs) And we appreciate you guys listening. Yeah. Uh, if you like the podcast, please rate us on whatever platform you're currently listening on. Whatever platform Maya has posted us on. Yeah, we'll find out. <laughs> uh, and follow us on Well I Laughed on Instagram. And if you would like to suggest a theme for the future, mm. we have an email at wellilaughedpod at gmail.com. And a TikTok that we're going to roll out soon. Sometime soon. I don't know when. And episode three is going to go back in time a little bit yep. to March of this year. But we got those right. So that's exciting. Yes. Uh, <laughs> for a fair warning, we are recording episodes one and two again because the audio was so bad we couldn't fix it. Episodes three and four we were able to fix. So if episodes three and four are a little hard on your ears, mm. just skip to episode five and the audio will be the same as it is now. We love y'all. We love you. And happy almost Pride Month. <laughs> I never forget. Yeah, Grant's gonna, <laughs> Grant says I'm, almost Pride Month, 11 months out of the year. I'm already there. I'm already there. <laughs> July is the worst month for Grant. <laughs> Suddenly it's about other people. <laughs> <laughs> I never got a card from Grant saying happy Asian American AAPI. Well, the first thing is I know how to say my month. <laughs> I don't actually know how to... What is it? Asian American Pacific Pacific Islander. Islander. I'm just Asian American, Listen, you joined at the end like we were saying it at the same time together. I knew it was Asian American and I couldn't... Asian... I never got a card from Grant saying it was Asian American Pacific Islander month. Do you know what month Male Pattern Baldness Awareness Week is? (laughs) No. No one does. Because we don't care. (laughs) You guys aren't really discriminated against? I have to tell you a story, but we got to stop recording it because <laughs> I can't, in good conscience, tell this story in a format that my mom okay. might hear. Bye. Bye. <laughs>